Hello world and welcome to our celebration of black and neuro intersections or intersections. Today we're honored to bring you a special podcast episode in honor of Black and Neuro Week 2021. I'm your host, Dr. Asma Bashir, and today we'll be celebrating intersecting identities and experiences as black and queer, black and disabled, black and first gen, black women, black immigrants, black parents, and more. I'd like to start by paying homage to Kimberly Crenshaw, who first coined the term intersectionality in 1989, describing how race, class, gender, and other individual characteristics intersect, interplay, and overlap with one another. We are thrilled to have three incredible guests who will be sharing their own stories with us. Shanice Bailey is a Black woman of Caribbean descent who is nearing the end of her first year as a PhD student in systems neuroscience at University College London in the UK. Manny Jade Garcia is a Black Indigenous Latinx abolitionist, science communicator, and PhD candidate in clinical psychology, exploring the relationship between Indigenous healing practices and mental health. Manny Jade also works as an educator for the Racial Trauma Center at Genesee Valley Psychology, and as a researcher and evaluator with Social Insights Research. Demarius Young Jr., also known as D, is a legally blind Black man who just started medical school at Howard University College of Medicine. First and foremost, I want to welcome all of you to our conversation, which I've been looking forward to for quite some time now. Thank you all for having this conversation with me. Let's start with our first question of the day. What does Black and Neuro mean to you? Shanice, would you like to go first? Yeah, to me, Black and Neuro means community. Mm. Um, it means presence. It means empowerment. I think actually before summer 2020, I only knew about three Black neuroscientists, mm. um, two of which were students, um, a master's student and a PhD student. Mm. How about you, Dee? So going off of what Shanice said, it was, for me, a community. So I actually kind of fell into neuroscience um, research. Basically, um, I got a call when I was like a sophomore in college about an internship that I applied for like six months before. Mm-hmm. Um, I just happened to fall in love with it. I didn't really, I don't think before last summer, I met a Black person who also did neuroscience. Um, and so it was really just kind of cool to see every all these different people in different places um, doing these cool things that I was interested in. And at that point, I was pretty much interested in everything. Yeah. Uh, so it was really just kind of cool to see that community come together, especially online and doing what was happening at that time with the social unrising, the death of George Floyd, the death of Breonna Taylor, things like that. It was cool to see a community come together. Mm, Very much so. How about you, Manny Jade? What does Black and Neuro mean to you? For me, Black and Neuro is uh, so much. It's belonging. It's a feeling of hope, joy, um, home, (laughs) rebirth. Mm. When, When I discovered Black and Neuro, I was just back on social media after a long break, um, going through in my personal and professional life, just lots of change and feeling very lost and invisible. Although I'm in clinical psychology, I have a neuroscience background starting back in 2008. So I was really disconnected from 
um, the neuroscience community. And I was back on social media actually to uh, expose racism in my former PhD program mm. and found Black and Neuro and found all of that joy and hope and positivity. And, it, and I feel like that really put me on a different path because I felt like I could bring my full self to the community. I could engage with, as other people have mentioned, so many Black people from all over the world. Yeah interested in the same things that I was, I, I felt safe. Um, and eventually because, because of that, that led to me getting involved with black and, um, mental health and black and data. Um, and then eventually when I needed material help, because, um, I went through a period of homelessness and, um, not having a job in 2020 for several months, half the year, um, because I had built up such a feeling of community and felt trust. I decided to ask for help for the first time in a big way and did the GoFundMe campaign. And the result was that I'm in this home now where I'm able to do so much that I wasn't able to do before. And so for me, you know, like I can't say enough good things about Black and Neuro. For me, that was like being out in the ocean and finding a buoy that was floating with some light on it that really showed me that there were, I still had um, a future and hope ahead of me. Wow. I... I could shed tears right now just <laughs> for that answer. I'm so happy to hear that you're doing well now, Manny Jade, and I'm so happy to hear the responses of both Shanice and Dee as well because they speak to my experiences. I heard themes of safety and comfort, and I know that that was something that I was searching for as well last year given everything that was taking place. We should probably talk a little bit about the intersectional identities that we all have so that our audience knows and they're aware so that if there are people who identify similarly, then they can say, oh, that's cool. They're like me. And if not, I think it's a great way to also build allyship so that people humanize individuals who might be different than ourselves. So I'll start. I am a black Muslim woman. I wear the Muslim headscarf, the hijab. My indigenous roots are in East Africa and the Arabian Peninsula. I guess those are most of my identities. Yeah, we'll stop there for now. Could everyone else briefly tell us about your identities, your respective identities? I am a black Christian woman um, of Jamaican descent. So both my parents are Jamaican. Um, my grandparents are actually part of the Windrush generation. Mm. Yeah, I think that's it. Who wants to go next? Uh, I'll go next. Okay, so I am a legally blind black male, and I'd also like to throw in that I'm from a very low SES family. Mm. Um, I have albinism of the skin, hair, and eyes. Uh, the latter is actually what causes the legal blindness. Mm -hmm. And I just want to throw in a definition. So legal blindness is defined as vision that's 20 over 200 with corrections. So I've had surgery and I also wear glasses. Okay. Thank you for sharing. And you, Manny Jade? I identify as Black, Indigenous, Latinx. So my family is from um, Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. but I, I really, I grew up in New Mexico. I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness and I was a Jehovah's Witness till I was 30 years old. So we were missionaries. We moved around a lot. Um, so I grew up near Mexican culture, so <laughs> I don't identify very strongly with Puerto Rican culture on top of the fact that the word Puerto Rico is like uh, a colonizer 
description. Mm -hmm. So, um, for now, I'm, I've just broken the identities out into the individual components. I identify most strongly with being black. Um, and then I also identify as a two spirit person in, in gender. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that's a newer development that I'm open about this year. Well, I'm so happy to hear that you're exploring that. Thank you all for sharing your identities and the intersections of all of your identities. Now, my next question is, in what spaces do you feel you can best express all aspects of your identity? Every single thing that we've talked about, how, do you, how does it crescendo into a space where you can be 100% yourself? Um, I can start if everybody's okay with that. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say the space that I feel most comfortable in uh, would probably be like, uh, uh, how do I put this? I grew up like, um, not necessarily in the projects or anything like that, but definitely like low income areas. And that's where I feel most comfortable um, with all my identities, because that's just how I grew up. Um, those are the people that I was around the most, um, the people who like, you know, grew up with, I like, uh, they accepted me, we played together, we went to school together, we did everything together. So generally, I like to say like, um, different people have different names. So it's like, I like to call it the hood, other people like ghettos, hills, slums, bottoms, like whatever people like to call it, but that's where I feel most comfortable. And that's where I feel like I can express all of my identities. Mm. May I ask a follow-up question? Yes. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. Okay, and how often do you get to go back? Because I assume now you're based in and around Howard University campus, right? Yes, so I actually don't get to go home very often. Um, just because of, like, before I was in school, I was actually doing research, and everybody who does research understands that, like, you just don't get to take the time off. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't, you miss a lot of stuff. So, like, um, I maybe got to go home maybe once every two years, three years, just because it's so hard to take time off. But now I'm, I'm back up to like once a year. So I'm pretty happy about that. That's good. So you were able to go back in 2021, hopefully? So I was able to go back in 2020. I spent about a little bit under a month um, with my mom for around Thanksgiving to Christmas. Oh, that's good. So yeah, I'm very happy for that. Happy to hear that as well. Thank you. How about Shanice? Where do you feel you can best express all aspects of your identity? I'm sorry, I keep on making Manny Jade last. How about you go second this time? <laughs> <laughs> Either way works for me. <laughs> um, so there are two places so far. Uh, one is I work for a, a research company called Social Insights Research, led by a black woman. Mm -hmm. And uh, that environment is it's the most safe I've felt ever in a work environment to just be really open and bring my full self to work, to the interactions that we have. And so that's a very pleasant experience. The other one happened recently, and that was at the Black and X inaugural conference. I held a um, joyful healing space um, event. We did some singing and stretching and meditation and discussion. Yeah. And that really felt like 100% Manny Jade <laughs> was there at that event. And uh, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more with one of your other questions. Okay. Uh, and that, that just happened. So it's a relatively new experience for me to, to feel like I can really, truly be present all the way. 
I'm so happy that you brought that up because I was there for the joyful healing session at the Black and X conference. Mm. And wow, what a transcendent, beautiful experience that was. But let's move to Shanice. Where do you feel you can best express all aspects of your identity? Um, definitely with friends and family. Mm. Um, but a more recent um, space where I felt able to express uh, my full identity is um, when I'm with friends um, in the African Caribbean Research Collective. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a group that was established last year um, because a report came out saying that out of almost 20,000 studentships awarded uh, across the UK by UK RI, mm-hmm. only 30 of them were awarded to Caribbeans. Mm. Um, and so those 30 took to social media and basically found each other. Yeah. Um, and through that, this group was established. Uh, and it, yeah, it's essentially a support group. Um, we meet once a week just to talk about um, how everything has been that week. We laugh together, we cry together. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's just a space where you can, yeah, be seen and understood. Mm. I think we're all searching for that. So to have that is such a blessing. And I I like that each and every one of you have that space. All right. So next question. What are some of the positive experiences or opportunities you've had because of your intersections? And then we can dabble in what might some of the challenges be. But let's start with the good. What are the things that have happened to you because you happen to identify with a particular group of people and associate with a particular group of people. I can start. Okay. Um, I, I don't think I've ever been so glad to be black as in the last year. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> I get to partake in all of this, you know, black and neuro, black and mental health, black and data, black and X. And um, it's just, I really want to emphasize the leadership of black women because I think um, I've really been able to, enjoy that <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and and feel what it feels like to be led by black women and their thinking and their approach to life and their epistemology you know like what's what's even real and true and it's made me very happy that i i don't have to experience that um from the outside mm-hmm. <laughs> that i could be on the inside of that the other thing is um in in terms of uh, my identity, my gender identity, mm-hmm. um, that before I found my apartment that I'm in now, I was in a sublet briefly, and it was all queer black artists mm-hmm. that lived in the house. And really, living there is when I was able to realize that I was the same <laughs> as these people. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that before, but I was drawn to the place. I, I, I'm also very happy to be part of of this group, although I'm new and I'm learning a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the creativity and the ability to think really differently mm-hmm. is so present in these communities that it's it's very stimulating to me and it gives me a lot of hope mm, agreed how about we have d next okay so some of the positives i can say uh, earlier i touched on how i came from a low ses background and so one of the things that has really been helpful in that i also am um, legally blind and so one of the things that actually has been very, very helpful is that the use of services from rehab services, like from any particular state, but I happen to be from Missouri. Well, I was actually able to go to college and have 
like 80% of my college and my college expenses paid for simply because I was legally blind. I've also been able to have like accommodations that are really helpful. So for example, you know, for me being a med student or pre-med, you take a lot of tests. So having that extra time on tests and having the ability to be able to think through uh, questions a little bit more, because it's not like, you know, my vision really affects like my intellectual capability, mm. but having that extra time really does help. Or it helps because I get access to more material uh, resources. For example, where I live is situated perfectly um, and I, you know, get a nice little discount on my apartment complex because of my disability or even now like paying for um, medical school. It's almost the exact same situation as undergrad where almost all of it is paid for because of the combination of my socioeconomic status and my disability. And so like those things are really, really helpful because you get access to things that I did not even know existed. Mm -hmm. How did you first find out about what was available to you because of your disability? Um, I first became aware of it. My I have a younger sister, and so uh, she has a different father than me and my than I do, and also my brother. And so her father's mom also worked for rehab services for the blind mm -hmm. in the state of Missouri. And so you know, I believe she actually told my mom about it, and my mom was like, "Oh, okay." Um, we didn't actually know about all the services that they provided. We just knew that like there were services that they provided. And once I was able to become eligible, um, they actually told us about all of the services they provided. But there are also third party um, services such as uh, Alpha Point. Um, I got really, really lucky in that like I lived like an, like a mile away from where Alpha Point is. There's also others around the country, but I know specifically there's one in South Kansas City. And then when it comes to accommodations, um, because I have been disabled my entire life, I have been, and I was raised by, I was not raised by, but like I was raised in tandem. My grandmother also helped raise me. And my grandmother is, or I guess was, she just recently retired, a special education teacher. Mm. And so I knew about accommodations because like I had been in my own um, IEP and 504 meetings since I could remember. Like my grandma always made sure to have me involved in those meetings. And so like the accommodations I had all of my life, um, and then the resources you just kind of find, or for example, the apartment complex that I live in now, it was really helpful because when you talk to other young professionals who live in the DC area, it's very expensive. And so they have, um, housing programs that help people. There's specifically one for people who have disabilities that are too young to go into nursing homes. So stuff like that where, um, they mostly snowballs, but I do understand it is hard to find the first one. Um, and for me, I happen to have like a lifelong disability. So I've been like this since I was born. And so like finding out about them is more like a snowball effect. Mm, I hope that what you've said, though, has planted the seed in case someone else identifies similarly to start the snowball to start looking for things that might be of benefit to them. So I'm very happy that you shared that. Shanice, would you like to tell us about some of the positive experiences or opportunities that you've had because of your intersectional identity? Yeah, the most positive experiences that I've had have to be inspiring 
um, other black women and black girls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I, I'm constantly looking for role models, um, looking for black female PIs, mm-hmm. um, for black female postdocs, or just anyone um, in those sort of more senior positions. And the absence mm-hmm. um, or the lack, it, it, it's very loud. Mm. it's very loud and so I I aspire to um, I guess progress in my own career so that there is that visibility for those who come after me yeah that that has to be the most positive thing to be able to speak to a a black girl who's Mm. kind of interested in science not really sure who isn't you know that confident in their ability Mm. um, to be able to encourage them and empower them and tell them you absolutely um, can do this you can be here it, it's not because I'm exceptional that I'm here it's just that I've managed to um, navigate the many obstacles I'm here you can be here you belong here just as much as I do or anyone else here does and yeah for, for me that has to be the most the most positive experience I think that's so beautiful that that's the ultimate positive experience for you thank you for sharing that How do you all hope academic spaces will change in the next decade? You close your eyes and you picture 2031, which is a very strange number to say out loud and have it be 10 years away. What do you see in the academic spaces around you? What I would love to see in 2031 is more support for carers, Mm. more financial support. for those who want to start a family. Many of us have heard of this, the phrase of working twice as hard. Yeah. Um, and even now, even though I'm at the beginning of my journey, I am very aware that working twice as hard because I am a black woman mm-hmm. is not particularly compatible with having a family. And so, yeah, even though I'm at this early stage, this, this is really what I'm thinking about. Um, I want to climb and, and get to the top. But what will I have to sacrifice to actually get there? That's something I, I, I really want to see change. Let's steepen that for a second, because that, that was poignant. That was really heavy. We are told that we basically have to make a trade in so many ways, that First of all, you have to sacrifice your mind, your body, some aspects of your sanity, because in certain spaces you will be gaslit. Mm -hmm. And still, the desire to, you know, have a partner, have multiple partners, having children, it just seems less and less feasible to do both well when you have to give so much of yourself to prove yourself over and over and over again. Yeah, that's that exactly. <laughs> Gosh, I, I feel you in every way. I know, Manny Jade, you're a parent, right? So I think you can actually speak to a little bit of this. Yes, I have a 17-year-old, just turned 17-year-old huh. um, child. And I've been a single parent through this process, this entire process of trying to get an education. So oh, wow. Shanice, I feel... <laughs> Mm-hmm. very deeply what you're saying mm-hmm. and and it, and it and honestly it has affected my relationship with my daughter in mm-hmm. ways that I'm not happy about mm-hmm. um being so involved in working I, I think twice as hard is generous <laughs> I, I think we work <laughs> 10 times as hard 
and get maybe like 1% of the credit for what we do. Mm. And so I, I, I feel Shanice's statements like in my bones. Yeah. I'm sending out warm vibes to all of you right now. Thank you. How about you, Dee? So I guess in 10 years, what I would like to see is more of like a complete overhaul of the entire education system. Yeah. Um, so I have like a very particular story uh, when it comes to education. For example, like when I was in high school, I actually had to transfer out because my entire school district was on the brink of losing their accreditation. And so mm. I want that to not happen like and there's there was just such a drastic difference and I transferred to a private prep school um, because I was really good at track at the time and so I want a complete overhaul like starting from pre-k all the way up into higher education uh, because I feel like poor kids especially like poor black kids and black and brown kids specifically don't get the opportunities uh, to be great in uh, academia and it's so inaccessible. Um, How I like to explain it is like it was uh, basically a combination of like luck and a little bit of like talent um, that wasn't even related to education that got me to the situation and I don't think that that should happen. Like I don't think that that's fair. It's really expensive to get an education, even on basically a full ride. I still struggled in college and like I'm only able to do well in med school or, you know, do what I'm supposed to do is because they provide my cost of living for me. And so like, I just don't think that that is okay. I want it to be more open and more accessible. Um, I want little black kids to actually be able to, they want to continue on, not have to worry about how they're going to pay I had to worry about like textbooks or access codes. I want that to not happen. Uh, I want like little black kids, if we were interested in science, to be able to like not have to like um, give up, you know, opportunities. Like I could only take paid internships. I don't think that that's fair. There, are, those are few and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just stuff like that. I want it completely overall, just so everyone has a fair opportunity. Yes, 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 yes. I agree with absolutely everything that you've said. I think that's the only way to honestly move forward because the promises that were made in the last year were very small tokens of, we see we've done wrong, let's try to fix it. When I think massive, massive change, like you said, D, needs to be made in order for it to be actually equitable. Simply giving, I don't know, a couple of scholarship opportunities at the graduate level is all well and good, but if someone has been robbed of opportunities since they were in kindergarten, as you said, then they're playing a losing game. You know what I mean? And it's it's really not fair. Okay, I love this question just because I think it lets me know a lot more about each and every one of you. What do you think is the most important lesson you are learning at this stage of your life? It can be a professional lesson, it can be a personal lesson. It could be a little bit of both. But what's something that you're actively trying to better about yourself or better about the world around you, better how you navigate the world? Who wants to start? We can also take some time to just think about it. I don't mind starting. Okay. I think the biggest lesson I'm learning in the last year especially is trust. Um, oh, yeah. Trusting myself. Because uh, following up on what everything that's been said, especially in the last question, I think another one of the 
strong messages that we're bombarded with in academic spaces is that we are not to trust ourselves. <laughs> we are to trust some ideas that, that are foreign, honestly, um, in every possible way, spiritually, morally, ethically, from who I am and how I operate in this world and what I believe and, and think is important. And so my journey in, in these spaces um, has affected my personal life because it's, there's been so much time that I've spent <laughs> in these spaces trying to get that degree and the credentials I need to do my thing. Um, and so I've, I feel like I'm remembering how to trust myself. So that's the first thing. Remembering, you know, looking back on the decisions I've made that I've never really regretted decisions I've made at all, even if the decision didn't work out. But I have very often regretted doing things that other people push, pushed me to do that didn't really vibe with, with who I am or what I believe. Mm -hmm. And then the harder, the harder, I don't know if it's harder, but it's equally hard at least is trusting other people um, because of the bad experiences that, that I've had. It's, it's difficult forming new relationships in professional spaces to, to know if I can trust who I'm with. You know, and um, especially when I talked about asking the community for help with the GoFundMe campaign is pretty, at first, humiliating <laughs> to me <laughs> to have to do that, to have to open myself up. Um, I, I grew up the way Dee did. I grew up extremely poor and I worked my whole life since childhood and I was always able to provide for myself. And when I was in the place for the first time in my life where I couldn't do that, it was it was a growing moment for me to be able to just open up to, and as a community of pretty much the black and X community and then other people I interact with on Twitter that, that ended up donating over $8,000 for me to get into a home, yeah. get furniture for my home. You know, I could have, I live near my daughter now for the first time um, in a very long time. And so it's taught me a lot. There's a lot of complexity um, inherent in trust and healing. And so that, that really, like, when I talk about it, I actually feel like my fingers tingling. <laughs> like, mm. it, it's very visceral for me, learning to to understand what trust is and, and how to engage in it, and then how to be trustworthy myself in return. Mm. So there are three elements there. Mm -hmm. Trusting yourself, trusting others, and being trustworthy. Right. I like that. How about our next person? I won't pick on anyone, don't worry. But for whoever's next, what do you think is the most important lesson that you are learning at this stage of your life? I'd say I am learning two big lessons at the moment. I say at the moment, but they're, they're lifelong mm. <laughs> lessons, actually. They're just um, rearing their heads in different ways. Um, so the first is how to rest. Ooh. <laughs> that's a good one so um, I think I've you know I've known that it's very important to rest yeah. um, and being a first year PhD learning lots of new things um, my schedule is extremely demanding mm -hmm. um, and, and I know I have to rest but in my head I've just thought work hard, play hard mm -hmm. and because I just want to give my all to everything I'm doing, I'm working extremely hard during the week, and then, you know, weekday evenings and weekends, playing really hard, <laughs> and it's actually exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it is exhausting, and um, I've had to learn that is not actually how you rest. Mm -hmm. Resting 
involves stopping sometimes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I'm learning to stop, learning to rest well, taking some time for myself, um, not trying to just um, please others. Though I love hanging out with people, <laughs> don't get me wrong, I love that. Um, but yeah, me time is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing that I'm learning at the moment is um, that I don't have to be perfect. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I think my um, compulsion to not even be perfect but to present myself as perfect Mm -hmm. um, has slowed me down in so many ways for example if I'm starting a new protocol at uni Mm -hmm. I will try and perfect every single part of that protocol and actually you can't really make progress that way Mm -hmm. um I I heard in a podcast recently um, that you do not have to be perfect in every space 100% of the time to be considered good at something. And honestly, that has Mm. blown my mind. Sometimes you just do okay at something and that is fine. That is absolutely fine. Do you think, I'm going to ask you a follow-up if that's okay. Mm -hmm. Do you think part of the perfection is perfectionism that I know I have as well? has to do with the whole, you know, twice as good, 10 times as good as Manny Jett said. No, it absolutely is. <laughs> and I, I've known that for a long time. I know that it is. I'm very, I think when I go into predominantly white spaces, I'm very conscious that I could be the single representative. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, I need to be the ultimate representative. I cannot make any mistakes. Yeah. Um, I must do everything flawlessly mm-hmm. but that leaves no space for being human and yeah. for just being me <laughs> yeah for just being me it's, it's a it's a heavy um, heavy load to carry absolutely so yeah I will get to you there's just one more thing that I wanted to mention since we're having this conversation I just thought about those three young men on the English football team mm. who missed their penalty shots in the Euro Cup final. And to share a small anecdote, I was watching live with my partner, and as the last penalty shot was missed, I just held my face and went, they're going to crucify them. They're going to destroy them, because the three men that missed were all black, Marcus, Bukayo, and Jaden. It made me sad over the last couple of days to see the Twitter posts that they made come up, all of them acknowledging that they let the entire country down. When England hasn't been in a final (laughs) in a very long time. So the fact that England even got to that stage was beyond impressive. And those three young men contributed significantly to that, as well as, as other individuals, including Sterling. So, and I mean, they're captain as well. Like, I don't want to go on and on about this, but it's just sad to me that all of them went, we know you guys are going to go really hard on us because of who we are and what we look like and our ancestry. We get it. We know it's going to happen because they too had been told you have to be twice as good, 10 times as good for half of the recognition. And I think that's just really sad. I, I watched it as well. Yeah. Um, and I felt that drop in my stomach. Yeah, I because I I knew the same thing as you've just described. I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, 
it's just sad that we can even foresee it at this point. But I mean, history is the best predictor. Dee, what do you think is the most important lesson that you're learning right now at this stage of your life? Um, so I guess there's two, but uh, neither one of them are particularly related to science. That's okay. Um, one is confidence. Uh, I should have had like way more confidence in myself when I was applying to school. Uh, just mm. like way, way, way more confidence. I, I really undervalued myself. And I'm, I'm very happy because, you know, like I'm very happy with like how Howard like accepted me and everything like that. Um, because I went to an undergrad, I went to an HBCU undergrad, so I was I was hoping that Howard would accept me, but I didn't think that they would. Um, so that's one thing I just need to fix. I think like, you know, I just needed to have way more confidence in myself uh, moving forward. And then uh, another one is like, um, there's actually a lot of power in the hands of the people, and that was something that like I just learned last year, like from watching the protest or actually from watching what's happening now with um you know people wanting to work and like controlling their job situations and things like that and their living situations um there's way 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 more power in the hands of the people and i'm like learning that like how to build that power like both individually and as a collective for things that we want and so that's been really important to me Mm -hmm. i was wondering because you mentioned missouri were you in Ferguson when those protests were also taking place a couple years ago? So I was not. I'm from Kansas City, so that's about four hours away. I did go to Ferguson about a month after everything had happened, and I did, you know, I went to go pay uh, my respects um, to the memorial of where Michael Brown was. I went to the murals. Um, I actually spoke with um, a couple of locals who, before Michael Brown, that had happened to their sons. You know, like, I, again, because of where I grew up, you know, I'm used to the police following me. I'm a runner. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I grew up with the police following me everywhere I was going. Or, like, um, you know, like, the police, if I'm playing outside, I'm used to the police circling around the block. So, like, you know, that was, like, normal. I thought that, like, you know, that, that was something that only really happened, like, where we lived and where I lived and neighborhoods I lived in. Um, mm. But it was really kind of interesting to see that, like, that was something that happened widespread. Like, the police follow all Black boys when they're going to the park or something like that. So it was just really interesting. Mm. Yeah, I, I know that happened to my brother, even while while we were living in Canada, because we lived in the States for a period of time, and then we were in Canada. And Canadian police are exactly the same. I'm sending love to you right now, because we don't deserve that. Nobody deserves that. Thank you. I want to keep things a little happy and light now, if that's okay. When was the last time you felt blissful, happiness, joy, loving energy? I have a feeling I know what your answer is, Manny Jade. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you want to just go ahead and start then? We can start. Yes, (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Hands down, the um, Black and X inaugural conference um i was able to host a joyful healing space for an hour it was just an hour um however i it's still carrying me that mm-hmm. that experience um i really like i i'm an artist a musician I, I love singing so you know i really miss in professional spaces um, not being able to bring that part of myself i often have uh thought i made the wrong decision and should should have gone into music <laughs> the way I was trying to. So to be able to overlap 
those two things. Um, I think it, it set the tone for me for just like a magical, energetic. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm glad you were there because you can maybe add words. Mm-hmm. But just there was so much joy and um, I feel like we were all really tapped into that collective desire to, to be well. Mm-hmm. Shanice talks about resting, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? like really being able to rest and really being able to just breathe for a second sit yeah. back and breathe so it was a combination of me really being able to really be 100 percent present as myself i had a mentee there that sang with me um young black woman that um i've mentored for many many years um and we didn't even know that the other person could sing it just kind of happened <laughs> like <laughs> randomly in another meeting and i was like oh my god i'm doing this thing you want to do it with me um and so it, it was just pure bliss yeah I've, I've tried recreating that in a less uh, like a more academic kind of setting and it didn't work at all <laughs> oh really oh, yeah that's unfortunate <laughs> yeah so but but it's okay because I I, I, I learned that you know create, I have to create my bliss um, on my terms and with people mm. that that are like-minded mm. yeah I was very honored to simply be in that space because like you said there was just an energy Mm -hmm. there where i think everyone was ready to receive and Mm -hmm. to give an equal measure yeah it was just a vibe it was a really very peaceful time i had a smile on my face for the rest of the day it was so beautiful and thank you for leading us in that session so glad to hear that thank you for coming and and for commenting on it because i have been wondering how people felt so i appreciate it it was transcendent. That's the word that I think speaks to Ooh, me. I just got tingles in my heart. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> I'm happy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's share the bliss. Who else has felt blissful recently and what led to that feeling of bliss? Oh, I can start. Um, so last week was actually um, my orientation for med school. I literally just started a week ago. Congratulations. Thank you. And I would say that was probably the most blissful I felt. Um, like I stated earlier, like the only thing I've ever wanted to be since I could speak was a physician. And so it felt really, really good to like finally be like on the path. You know, like I struggled for so long to get to school. And so it was just a surreal. And like, you know, Howard gave me a full ride to go there. And so, like, it, that just made it even better. Like, I, like, my entire life I've been struggling to get to, like, at least give myself the opportunity to go to school. And, like, I finally did it and got to go. And so last Tuesday, yeah, I want to say last Tuesday, was the first day I actually got to, like, sit back and actually, like, take it in. And, like, oh, I did it. Like, I, I finally did it. I actually did it. Like, I, like, it's not like it's an impossible task, but it's, like, it's never been done before, at least in with how I had to do it and what I had to go through so it's like never been done like this and it's like kind of cool because it's like it isn't just people with disabilities but it's also everyone who thinks that like something is impossible because nothing is not necessarily Mm. impossible like my grandma used to say it's not that you can't do it you just don't know how to yet Mm. wise words from grandma (laughs) (laughs) well I hope you feel all of us supporting you as you embark on this journey I'm excited for you. I hope everything continues to go as smoothly as it has seemed to gone for the last week or so. 
I hope that you enjoy your classes and you make the connections that I think we all deserve to make. How about you, Shanice? When was the last time you felt blissful? Um, I last felt blissful with friends and family, probably. I would say, actually, that my, like, most blissful and um, most releasing time is probably um, during praise and worship mm. to God. Just feeling, yeah, released, just completely released. Mm. Um perfectly loved mm. understood to know that he's listening to all my thoughts all my concerns mm. and just loving me unconditionally yeah for me there is there is no happier place than that that's beautiful thank you all for sharing that i know it's quite personal a question i mean this entire conversation is quite personal but that one in particular is close to your hearts and I appreciate that you would share all that with me. Our final question of the conversation. If you could send a letter to your younger self, what would the main message be? Um, I would say if I could send a letter to myself, it would probably be titled Don't Quit. Mm. That would probably be it. Like even though like I never really quit on this journey, like there were definitely times where I was like, This is it. Like I'm not like I wanna say literally a month ago before I started school, I'm like, Okay, this is it. I'm not going to school. I'll figure out something. Oh. Yeah, I, I had a lot going on. Um, but it all came together at, at the very end. So I'm you know, I'm very thankful for that, very grateful. But I would definitely say like just don't quit. Like I went into science simply because I had a teacher that told me I would never be able to do it rude oh my god yeah so i would say like that would be a letter just don't quit like keep going no matter what like as long as you do what you're supposed to do you'll be fine and that would really be the contents of the letter just do what you're supposed to do and don't quit i love what d said so much so thank you for sharing that d i think my letter would say three things um believe in yourself and you are never actually alone mm. and remember who you are. So um, I've had to make a lot of decisions throughout my life, personally and professionally, that have put me through periods where I felt very alone. Mm. Like I just didn't have family or community there to support me. And sticking it out and believing in myself, reminding myself what my values are and why I'm doing what I'm doing has brought me to, for example, this conversation. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm listening to people talk. I'm listening to Dee and Shanice and you and, and feeling so happy. <laughs> like it's such a privilege to be around people that, that refine my thinking and remind me that I'm okay, <laughs> that, I, that, that, that I'm not alone. Um, yeah, I think, uh, that's what I would say. And, and that, the remember who you are. Um, goes goes hand in hand with believing yourself. Just there, there's a lot of noise out there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people saying do this, do that, and th- those are not the things that lead me to to joy. Mm-hmm. Those have never been the things that lead me to joy. It's always been reminding myself what I'm about, what I bring to the table with my unique um, existence here on Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in relationships that are personal and private, and in more public spaces. Yeah, I I love what Manny J has just said. Um, Especially remember who you are. I think 
the main message if I was writing a letter to myself wouldn't be too distant from that um I think I think instead it would be remember where you've come from um so sort of yeah know your roots um I think a lot of my I guess a lot of the lack of confidence I've had in myself is is from not knowing who I am not knowing where I've come from um I think a lot of people over the past year have have done a lot of work in knowing where they come from and I've done that too and have found it incredibly empowering when I think of the fact that my grandparents came from this tiny island in the Caribbean um, to England and managed to accomplish so much so that my life um, is how it is now I, I'm just inspired yeah how can I not see myself as resilient how can I not see myself um, as, a, as a force to be reckoned with to be honest so to my younger self, I'd just say, know your roots. Mm. Well, I can't think of a more perfect end to this beautiful conversation. I've learned a lot from all of you. I actually jotted down a couple of the things that you've all said in terms of lessons that you're learning at this stage of your life, just to remind our audience there are mentions of trust, of remembering to rest, of trying our best to not feel the necessity to be perfect at all times, recognizing the power of the people. And then, as we concluded, talking about the letters that we would send to our younger selves, don't quit, believe in yourself, you're never alone, remember who you are, and remember where you came from. I just, I can't think of a better way to end this conversation. I think all of you for participating in this wonderful event. Black in Neuro Week is such a beautiful celebration of Black neuroscientists, Black individuals who are in neuro-related fields, and I'm excited for the rest of the Black in Neuro community to know all of you, to hear from all of you, and I have a feeling that you'll have a lot of people feeling that tingly, joyous feeling that Manny Jade was talking about after they listen to this episode. Thank you, Dee. Thank you, Manny Jade. Thank you, Shanice. And thank you to Black and Neuro for allowing us to come together in this space.